0: welcome back everyone to another episode of the hot takes from the burke podcast i'm your host jason mitcher joining alongside ian hatcher and it's good to be back after about a, a two-week hiatus due to finals and moving out how you doing today though
1: I'm doing really really great I'm back home it feels good to be home Um, obviously I love Blacksburg I love being at school but it's just something to said about something to be said about coming home for the summer um this year was a little bit different um I'm moving out of an apartment I had a lot of stuff to get out um I had to haul it all back home we're really really sorry about the two-week hiatus um between that and finals um It really kind of kicked my tail, but um, I'm glad to be back. I'm so excited to get into this, and um, I just want everybody to know and be sure that that two weeks is the longest break that we will take. We're going to get right back into it, the weekly episodes, and we're probably going to be doubling up episodes now with how intense the NBA is about to get with the NBA playoffs. There will be another episode of recording for the NBA right after this, and obviously with the NFL, we finally got our grades. We just got the schedule. Um, the entire offseason is really over. I mean, you know, there's still some players on the market that still need homes, but all in all, it's, you know, you, most teams have that bow wrapped around their final off season. So it's a time to figure out who did the best. And I'm going to let Jason explain what exactly this new um, mini series format is that we're going to be doing this year.
0: Yeah, so we're going to, for this offseason or just for the NFL in general, we're going to be breaking it up by divisions and we're going to be grading it, not just the draft, not just free agency, their overall offseason, uh, what they gained, what they lost. And we're also going to be looking over their schedules and with our own opinions, how difficult we really think their schedule is going to be off of our, our NFL knowledge. Um, granted, we're not professionals yet um I like to think we're gonna be there one day uh so our our gradings might be a, a little off from other people's but it it is our own opinions absolutely but starting off I I think we should start with the team and neither of us like uh that's the Dallas Cowboys their biggest thing was they brought back Dak Prescott on a huge deal um so that, that was really big for them. Uh, securing him was really their main thing they had to do. They also brought in Keanu Neal. Uh, but I, I still don't know how to feel about their off season.
1: Yeah. To me, I I think what this is really going to hinge on is going to be Dan Quinn. I mean, I know the, a whole experiment at head coach in Atlanta didn't work out for him, but I do think that he's a really great kind of defensive minded coach. And as much as I hate the Cowboys, I, I it's a great move to get a coach like that to be come and be your defensive coordinator. I, I think to me that, that speaks volumes. He's teaming up with two of his defensive players in Keanu Neal and Demonte Kazee. And I think that has the potential to be very, very scary. I think, you know, I look at it and a I would kind of pick on the Cowboys because I do think that they kind of lost a good amount. Granted, it, they the production-wise, it wasn't really there, but I mean, it, you lost starters, and I mean, Sean Lee was hit hit or miss with availability, but I mean, he, he was one of the best players in, in Cowboys' recent history on, on the defensive side of the football, and Tyrone Crawford played a huge number of snaps. Alden Smith actually came back and was semi-productive off the edge. I don't know how you would grade that experiment. It didn't. It wasn't all that great, but the Cowboys finally had an edge rusher with um, a little bit of oomph to his game, I guess, at least. But um, that was, you kind of hit it on the head. I mean, really what I think this offseason, it comes down to the boiling point is going to be Dak Prescott and Dan Quinn. I really do think that those two guys are going to have the biggest say in what goes on. And for the first time, I mean, for the Cowboys defensively they've had good players on that side of the football it's just been getting them all to play well together in the right kind of scheme they're always switching their their coordinators every single year so if Dan Quinn can come in and provide some sort of stability and actually get something going on that side of the ball this team could be really really good I know that they um, kind of missed out a little bit in the draft as for what they may have wanted in the first round with those uh, two top corners but I still thought they really did well addressing that side of the football. And, I mean, I I like what's going on. I hate to say it. With the offensive weapons they have, this team could be scary.
0: Yeah, I I know they really wanted either Patrick Sertan or J.C. Horn. And I can see Caleb Farley being a reach at 10, especially, like, with his back issues and the surgeries he's had if i'm the cowboys i would have maybe traded down but you did get uh really a big boomer bust kind of prospect in Micah Parsons if he can keep his head on if he can keep his mind on football he's going to be one of the best linebackers in the game if he can develop well in that system but if he just loses track of what he's doing it's not going to be great for the cowboys so on one hand, I'm hoping he doesn't do well. But on the other hand, like, I, I really hope he does flourish and becomes, like, a really good linebacker in this league.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you saw the the clip of him when he was in the war room or in the, the draft room. And he was saying the whole time, we, we want Dallas. We want Dallas. That's where he wanted to go. And I, I think that for a player like that, somebody that you do kind of have the off-the-field kind of worries – To be able to go to the place that he wants to go, I mean, it does kind of feel more so like a perfect storm. And I talked a little bit about Sean Lee and what he kind of meant to that Cowboys defense for a long time, even with the availability concerns. I mean, Micah Parsons could be that plus a lot, plus a whole lot. I mean, this could be what you kind of thought Leighton Vander Esch was going to be and then some. I really think that highly of Micah Parsons. He's one of the best athletes I've ever seen from the linebacker position. And I, I think he's not a sure fire fit. He, he, he is definitely a Mike middle linebacker in my opinion. I think that's his total role. He can get after the quarterback a little bit. I think you could um, flirt with him a little bit outside on the edge and kind of in a, a attack the passer kind of a role with his speed. But I mean, he, he doesn't get off of blocks well. He doesn't play strong, even though he is so you know physically strong. But um, I think Micah Parsons could be, like you said, a home run pick. I also think um, in this next second round, Kelvin Joseph is a guy who he, it's the exact same story. I mean, and, and then some for Kelvin Joseph. I mean, he has legitimate off the field concerns. I, I was really, I loved Kelvin Joseph. I thought he has some of the best potential at the cornerback position in this entire draft but it was just going to be about if you, what are you going to get from him on the field? I mean, he was formerly from went to LSU, then transferred to Kentucky. The Kentucky coaches literally asked, told him to just sit out the season because of whatever was going on with his situation. And that's not a good look. That is really not a good look for your coaches to tell you to just sit out. Um, it's not, like I said, it's just not good. I mean, I, he could turn into a great, great player. But in Dan Quinn's system, we'll have to see. I mean, we know how he loves to use his cornerbacks, press man, kind of big physical corners. I mean, Kelvin Joseph is, he's not, I wouldn't say he's the best press man corner. Uh, in the draft class, he was up there. He, he's really good in press man coverage, but he's also just really good ball hawk and, and zone coverage as well. I think you could use him really, really well. And, and after that, I mean, it's just a long list of, defensive players. I mean, Jabril Cox stands out. I, I really like that. I mean, Israel M- Mukuamu, uh, very, very late in the draft. I like that. Um, I thought they added some good pieces in free agency.
0: Yeah, I, I really did like the Cowboys draft. Um, they addressed defense, which is what they really needed to do after how terrible their defense was this past season. I mean, their offense was fine when Dak was on the field. It's just once he went down with that ankle injury, it just all kind of went downhill with Andy Dalton and all the backup QBs coming in. It can't even name all of them, how many they had come into the game. It's just if Dak is able to get back to at least 80, 85% of what he was doing and be at somewhat mobile with that ankle, the Cowboys are going to be a, a very scary team this year.
1: Yeah, I really do think that I was – I'm not going to lie. As a Philadelphia Eagles fan, I was really scared that there was some potential that Kyle Pitts was going to fall to the Cowboys and they were going to scoop him up, and I was going to hate my life as an Eagles fan for the next decade watching Kyle Pitts dominate us. But luckily, I don't have to watch that. And I do think that, you know, the Cowboys – probably ended up with the better end. I do think, you know, Kyle Pitts is an amazing player, but they have so many offensive weapons. I mean, what they really, really were lacking was A, Micah Parsons. And I was so glad to see them address that just, to, just for that sake. I mean, I, it's, I've, I hate to say it, but I, I kind of feel bad for Cowboys fans um, with, with just how much they refuse to put anything into the defensive side of the ball before or it just always comes after offense for Dallas and to see that happen time after time after time this year it felt like it was going to be the cornerback they're both gone I think they ended up really really well at pick 12 with Micah Parsons
0: yeah I, I think overall I got to give the the Cowboys offseason grade this has probably been their best off season in the past few years I got to give them a b plus uh mostly yep. off the draft because of them really addressing the defensive needs. They they couldn't really control losing Sean Lee or Alden Smith or those guys. Like so, I can't really penalize them for that. The only big loss they really had was Chidobe Awuzie. So, I mean, their free wasn't terrible. So, I and how well they performed in the draft, it's really looking good for them.
1: Yeah, yeah, I uh, think you hit it on the head. I was gonna, I was thinking B plus the whole time. Um, and there was just the B plus only for the reason that I think there was a little bit of a room left for. It. Uh, I I'm fine with Keanu Neal and Demonte Kizzy. I think those are great signings in free agency. But I, I think that you could have gone a little bit bigger of a splash. And I think some of their picks after Michael Parsons in the draft were reaches and that's and some of them after kelvin joseph i thought was a reach by about 20 picks 30 picks maybe and then uh, there was a couple picks after that i think they picked a guy in the fourth round from oregon state that i didn't even think was going to get drafted i thought he was an undrafted free agent kind of a guy but uh, they took him in the fourth round so it was some questionable picks but overall really really well i'd give it a b plus uh, same as you
0: now looking at their schedule, I mean week one you're facing off against the defending Super Bowl champions in Tampa Bay. That's that's gonna be a a good game, Uh interesting first game for Dak to be coming back. But overall, I the Cowboys have a I think a straight down the middle kind of toughness schedule.
1: Yeah, uh, it, it's not it's not too tough overall I mean obviously they have the divisional games uh, I think you know you still even this year I think a lot of these games are kind of coin flips with um, the teams of the division I do think that everybody got better um, uh, this offseason spoiler alert for the next three teams but um, with matchups between we still have teams we don't know a lot about just yet and, and teams like you know the Saints and and the Broncos and even I'd put the Patriots in that same kind of barrel but then you also have games between the the Panthers the Chargers teams that I project to be pretty pretty well off next season I think the Vikings got better this offseason um the I I'm kind of with you I think this is a pretty um reasonable schedule I think there's no reason that this team can't come out of the season with a winning record
0: yeah this they definitely have a, a tougher first half of the schedule, uh, starting off with Tampa Bay, than Los Angeles, uh, Carolina, and see how Sam Darnold does there. Um, of course, you got two divisional games in there. You never know what New England's going to be able to do if they're going to throw in Mac Jones just out of nowhere. And yeah. the second half of their schedule, it, really the only – super difficult game that's like set in stone is going to be really difficult is that Kansas city game in week 11. Yeah. Because you, you can't really stop that high powered offense. And I mean, what can you, you really do in that situation?
1: Yeah. I I think the, the real meat of this schedule is weeks 11, 12, 13, and how they fare in those games is really gonna set them up for this, you know, these last few games. And this last, to me, is the real crucial stretch. Washington, Giants, or at Washington, at Giants, versus Washington, versus Cardinals, and at Eagles. That five-game stretch right there, that will make or break their entire season, I guarantee it.
0: Yeah, I. It's, it's gonna be interesting seeing how Dallas plays this year. Um we'll see if Zeke is able to have a bounce back year after having the worst year of his career so far Um, it it definitely didn't help that they had no passing game but still when you're uh, arguably a top five running back in this league you have to be able to perform to your standards and Zeke was just not able to do that so he's definitely going to have to have a, a really good bounce back year for them to really have a chance at a run.
1: Absolutely. I totally agree. He, he's going to need a bounce back. They're going to need Dak Prescott to pick up right where he left off from last season. And this team, I, I do kind of think, you know, like I said, with how not not necessarily hard and ch- or challenging, but just how critical these last five games are. I mean, you have four divisional matchups. That will – the, I, that will have a lot to do with what happens. All both of your games with Washington, and I think that um, another kind of spoiler. Alert, I think that will be probably the cream of the crop in the division this off, this off this next season.
0: Yeah, those those two games for both teams. I mean, they finished first and second in the the division this year. Granted, the division was the worst in the league, but still. But yeah, Dallas. It's definitely going to have the work cut out for them in the last five weeks, but it it's really going to come down to how Dak recovers, how Zeke is able to perform off a terrible season, and if that defense is going to be able to get stops. Yeah. Those are the, the really big things. Absolutely. Are you ready to get into the next team? I say we are.
1: Where you, where would you like to go from here? The the Giants.
0: Uh, uh, that is fine with me. The Giants had. I think they had the best free agency in the in the division. I mean, yeah. you bring in you bring in Kenny Galladay, you bring in John Ross, you bring in Kyle William, Kyle Rudolph. You you get you re sign Leonard Williams, which is huge, and you bring in a Dory Jackson. You're. Yeah, you lost Golden Tate. You lost Kevin Zeitler. But you brought in weapons for Daniel Jones when all he really had last year was Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton, who was a rookie. So this is really a make it break year for Daniel Jones with how many weapons he has around him.
1: Yeah, make or break year. You you hit it on the head. I, I totally agree. I think the Giants um smashed it this offseason to to get the weapons for Daniel Jones. I mean, there's two teams in this NFC East division that I think are in kind of weird places because their seasons basically hinge on what, what figuring out whether their quarterback is the deal or not. Uh, and I think both of those teams had, had to address the skill positions to do that. And obviously the New York Giants were were one of those teams. And to come out with Kenny Galladay, John Ross, Kyle Rudolph on the offensive side of the football is spectacular, in my opinion. You have a true X on the outside in Galladay. Um, you also went out and drafted a wide receiver in the first round who, Kadarius Toney, who is an electric playmaker with the ball in his hands at 20. Meanwhile, also I have to mention the fact that they traded back with the Chicago bears and came out with so much draft capital. That was a awesome trade back. I know that they had their sights set on Devonte Smith. They missed out, but I think they still did a plus in that department trading back, getting all that extra draft capital and still getting an electric playmaker who I think even probably better meshes with the group of receivers that you have going on now. So I really, really like that. I think there is no excuses. Everything is gonna be on Daniel Jones next season. Um, I think that the defense got better, I'd say. Um, you brought bring in a Dory Jackson to play opposite James Bradbury. That is, well, that is, that's an awesome duo right there. That, that is going to make skill position players for the other teams um, a little scared to be honest, probably. Um, I really, really love everything that they did in the off season. To me, the pure off-season grade is an A+. plus. Uh, I think that it was awesome in, in all facets. Um, I liked how they addressed the draft um, and just kind of let the board come to them. Um, I really think that they went best available in every single position, and they made out with Aaron Robinson, who is going to be a great nickel corner year one, mark my words, and Aziz O'Jelari, who is was probably the, the most productive edge rusher in the draft. So, I mean, you think about it like that, and then you also get Kadarius Tony in the first round, and I think those are all A-plus picks as well. And I think the Giants did really, really well, but like I said, it all hinges on Daniel Jones next season.
0: See, I, I can't give the Giants too high of a grade for the entire offseason. I didn't like the Kadarius Tony draft pick um, just because – I don't know exactly where he's going to fit in and with you already having guys like Kenny Galladay and Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard and you bring in John Ross as well one of those guys is not going to get touches because you also have Evan Ingram who is a pass catching tight end like I really think like they were two picks ahead of the tight ends picking up Caleb Farley, and there are three picks ahead of the Vikings taking Christian Darrisaw. Yes, cornerback wasn't a huge need for them, but if you could have got a, a franchise tackle in Darrisaw, that would have been huge. Because what's what's his name? Um, that they Andrew Thomas. Um, yeah, I don't think he's luster. he's not fit to be a blindside tackle. That's what Darrisaw it was at Virginia Tech. He was the blind side tackle his entire time there. Yeah. So I don't understand the toonie pick when you already have four other guys that are out there for you. And three of them are have potential of being superstars. One already is. And Evan Ingram. So that's I- my big thing.
1: I can, I can definitely see that argument. To me, uh, I looked at it the opposite way. I, I think that Kadarius Toney was the best player in the draft with the ball in his hands after the play. Maybe, uh, well, I'll say after Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase. But, I mean, with when you put the ball in his hands, he is the best player at making people miss. He did it in ways that I had never seen players do before. And he is an older player. Um, comparatively, I'm pretty sure he's 23 years old. Um, I don't really love that. I think he's already kind of scratching the surface of how good he can really be. But there was an, a legit kind of argument to be made about how good Kyle Trask really was just based off of the fact that he had Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Toney. Um, I think you could really, really make that argument. And to me, Kadarius Tony was like I said, a special and electric kind of player and nobody on the Giants has that after the catch kind of ability like, a, like Kadarius, Tony brings to the table. Sterling Shepard is all right. I really do like him. But he's more of an inside kind of a route kind of guy. You're not even expecting that much after the catch, really, from him. Kenny Galladay is a pure outside receiver. And, and to me, Slayton is a, a, just a go-route specialist. I mean, he, he can do a lot. But, I mean, that is the route that he wins on, kind of like uh, Deami Brown was. We'll talk about him in a little bit. But um, so for that reason, I saw it as, like, uh, not a huge need either but in this offseason like I said the priority was getting Daniel Jones weapons and with a Kadarius Tony I mean he'll have so much right around the line of scrimmage so much that he doesn't even have to work for that's just going to make his life so much easier and for that reason I really really love that pick
0: I, I can I can see that um yeah they don't really have many playmakers after the catch But when you also have four guys that you can already have, like you have five guys that are good, and then you also have Saquon coming out of the backfield, I would have really liked to see them try and bolster up that offensive line a little more instead of going after another guy that has a chance to be a superstar on the outside. That's that's my way of looking at it.
1: Yeah, no, and the trenches are very, very important. And obviously I do think that, you know, that is the – the weakest link now for this Giants team is the offensive line. And I do, I do wish they would have addressed it a little bit more. And, and if anything, they lost probably their best offensive lineman in Kevin Zeitler this off season. So that probably is something to knock, but um, I, if they can get away enough, I mean, there's just so much playmaking potential on this team that I, I'm willing to give it an A plus because I think all Giants fans wanted going into this off season was, making sure that everything around Daniel Jones would provide no excuses and we can figure out whether he's the guy or not. And for that reason, I think it was, like I said, an A plus kind of a draft, but if he doesn't have the time to get the ball out, it could be just a Carson Wentz kind of situation where, I mean, you see just the, that amazing deterioration right before your eyes where it's like, wow, I mean, okay, you need offensive linemen, but uh, what we will have to see, um, there are a couple of teams that will pose, give them real threats. Obviously, for that reason, and um, if you want to, the first one we can get into the schedule is probably going to be Washington in week two with their defensive front. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe not an A plus. You talked me down to an A, but I, I still love everything the Giants did overall.
0: Yeah, that's why I can't give it above an A minus just because of them losing Zeitler and not try and bolster into that offensive line anymore. But yeah they're they're playing some really, really good pass rushing teams this season. I mean Washington you have to play Washington twice. New Orleans isn't terrible at pass rushing. You have to play the Los Angeles in week six. You have to play Tampa Bay in week 11. You have to play the Chargers in week 14. Chicago week 17. like if Daniel Jones doesn't have more than five more than four seconds in the pocket, it, I'd say even more than three seconds in the pocket, it's not going to be good,
1: yeah. And I'll tell you something that it could, I, I said that I love the Kadarius Honey trade, but also, I mean, there's for the both the Giants and Philadelphia, there's going to be a lot of questions in my to me. I, I don't really think as much with Philadelphia because I think. Devontae Smith is more of a sure kind of thing as a wide receiver. But as far as the Giants and Kadarius, Tony, if Daniel Jones doesn't work out, how is it going to look Being that you traded back and for the pick that the bears used the team that could never get the quarterback position, right to select Justin Fields. I I know I love Justin Fields, but I just think that could be some controversy that may come up in the future. If, If Daniel Jones doesn't, uh, light yeah. the world on fire if, in New
0: York. if if daniel jones does not become the quarterback and justin fields end up becoming like an mvp kind of candidate
1: yeah
0: that that could look really bad to to giants fans um but like i said i overall i give him an a minus i think strength of schedule it's really going to come down to the offensive line I really like the Giants defense this year. Uh they really bolstered up that side of the field, especially with the Dory Jackson lineup next to James Bradbury. Really bringing back Leonard Williams was huge. Um considering how big of an effect he's had on that defensive line. Um he I'm he's in that kind of Aaron Donald category where you have to you have to double team the guy, or else he's gonna get to the quarterback.
1: I think that, to me, this is a really tough schedule, in my opinion, honestly, for the Giants. I mean, Broncos week one, Washington is, I mean, every divisional matchup, just to save some time, is, in my opinion, in the NFC, is a coin flip every time. That's how they usually go. They're just tough, hard-nosed games. Whether both teams, whether one team's amazing and the other team sucks, you could never count out in the NFC East. Just trust me on this. Never. And then the Saints, I mean, Rams, Chiefs, Raiders, Bucks, Dolphins, Chargers, Bears at the end of the season where, I mean, at that point, that could be set up kind of a perfect storm where if imagine Daniel Jones is really at the end of the year getting near benched and here comes probably at this point in the season, Justin Fields into town.
0: Yeah, like they do have some really difficult opponents and like I said I think it's really going to come down to the offensive line and how they're able to perform especially against these these heavy heavy pass rush teams like Denver, Washington, the Rams, the Chargers, the Bucks, Miami, Chicago.
1: Yeah, but I will kind of admit that I mean there is kind of a setup in in those kind of I'd even say first four weeks where you could reasonably argue I mean the Giants could get out to a very very fast start I mean yeah um, I think that the only game that I think is a hundred percent going to be a tough game is that Washington game but other than that I mean there's a chance that drew Locke is opens the season over Teddy Bridgewater I, I don't I just think that the Broncos um, are kind of an enigma next season. I don't really know how to peg them yet. Um, same with the saints, but, um, and then, then the Falcons. So, I mean, you could be talking about that potentially three and one, but you could also be talking about potentially one and three. So that opening stretch is going to be crucial.
0: Yeah. Those first four games, it's, it's, it's really a toss up because um, you, we haven't really seen Daniel Jones perform the best under pressure, and these first four games he's gonna be under a lot of pressure, especially those first two with Von Miller coming back, and how how well the Washington front seven has developed in such a short time. Yeah, it's it's gonna be really difficult on Daniel Jones, um, but if if he's done really well this off and he's he's been able to get his reads down to just a few to half a second free for each read even less than that then he might be fine but it's really going to come down to how well he's able to perform with the pocket collapsing on him
1: yeah uh, i i definitely agree um i'm sticking with the a for the giants this off season uh overall i like what they did but um like I said, for them, the, the whole season hinges on Daniel Jones. And um, well, we also
0: we also do have talk about Saquon Barkley coming off an ACL tear. I really, really hope he comes back healthy and ready to go, because Saquon is so fun to watch.
1: Yeah, Saquon is so so fun to watch. I, maybe I'm crazy, but to me, Saquon is such an enigma that I, I've already kind of. Realize that he's going to be absolutely fine. He's probably going to come back in and be, again, one of the most electric running backs in the entire NFL. I just feel like it's, it's too much downtime for Saquon Barkley. I think, you know, obviously an ACL tear is a recovery time. And they say it really takes about, you know, kind of two full years. Well, it hasn't been two full years, but I mean, it's been a lot of downtime for Saquon Barkley. I think he's going to come out. And be awesome. I, I don't really worry about him. I like I said, I kind of think he's a, just an enigma, one of those just freaks that you could never really count out. Like sometimes they don't live up to it, but more times than not, you just you just know. And, and to me, I just think I don't really worry too much about a Saquon Barkley.
0: I'm just hoping he's good because he's a keeper on my
1: fantasy league. So who crucial? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I keep him for sure because I think he's gonna have a a great season oh i i
0: no doubt in my mind like it that giant's offense has the chance to be one of the most electrifying offenses in the league but it's kind of the it's kind of the same situation the broncos are in daniel jones is definitely better than drew lock but it's it's like you don't know how your quarterback is going to be going to perform this year. So it's all hinging on that. Yeah. But like the, the giants do have a a pretty difficult schedule. I can't disagree with that. I mean, you have to play the entire NFC East twice. You have to play the entire AFC West, which is not a joke of a division anymore. Yeah. Like they have really stepped up their game. Like, it – also the, the NFC South, really the only kind of a joke team there is the Falcons, but now they have Kyle Pitts. So, that offense
1: is just going to get even better. Yeah. I mean, it, it really feels like the season schedule, to me looking at it, is challenging to the point where it, it looks like Daniel Jones is going to have to be the guy to pull you through some games. And for that reason – it is a tough schedule, but there's going to be a lot of learning going on this season for the Giants. I mean, their entire future hinges on what really happens with Daniel Jones this this season, and I think you can say that them and the Broncos was a perfect, you know, kind of comparison because I do totally agree. I think them, the Broncos, the Eagles are all essentially like tryout years, you know, to see who who if you really want this position, then prove it. So um for that reason i think you're going to learn a lot this season cuz it is a tough schedule there's going to be a lot of times where you're going to need a quarterback that can just get you a touchdown you know so for that reason it's a tough schedule but a lot of learning
0: yeah um i for me i'd rank the giants in like in the upper half of difficult to schedule um not, probably around like 8 or 9 yeah, that's probably where I'd put them.
1: Yeah, I, I'd give it I'd give it right now. I'd give it an eight. But um, obviously, you know, a, a, even as soon as like the first week of the season, that could change drastically once we just get a better feel for exactly what teams are going to be doing. Um, But I do think it, it on paper, it's it's a tough schedule. There's not a whole lot of gimmies on that schedule and, and a, a lot of potential dogfights, really.
0: Yeah. So, shall we move into your team or my team?
1: I was going to give you uh I was going to give you the opportunity to get, we go through Washington first.
0: All right. So, the Washington football team. I I think they had this. I think the Giants had a better free agency. But that's no slack on what Washington did in free agency. I mean, they bring in Fitzmagic. You also have Taylor Heinecke still there. You bring in a, a two more weapons for whichever quarterbacks going be out there, which is what Washington has really lacked. You bring in Curtis Samuel and Adam Humphreys. I you also bring in William Jackson. The only thing I really don't like is you weren't able to we weren't able to uh, really retain Brandon Sheriff on a long-term contract. So eh, if he there, sadly, Alex Smith did retire, but still like not a terrible free agency for Washington.
1: No, not at all. I definitely really, really liked the free agency. I think last season it felt like I was just beating a drum all season long talking about Washington. It was just outside of McLaurin. There's no one. And over the course of the season, we got to see Antonio Gibson kind of emerge, which was awesome for the for the um, football team. Excuse me, and that was definitely really really needed. But it still needed outside help uh, outside of Terry McLaurin. It was just so dire in that regard. And I mean, you come out with Curtis Samuel and Adam Humphreys, who at, Curtis Samuel I think was outside of Juju Smith-Schuster was the highest potential guy in free agency this year at the wide receiver position. I still think there's a lot of room for growth with a Curtis Samuel and he is so electric with the ball in his hands. He will make Ryan Fitzpatrick or whoever the quarterback is for the Washington football team's life a lot easier just having a guy like that. And and you pair him now with Terry McLaurin and and I really like the sound of that. You guys got William Jackson on the outside who's I thought it was a huge loss for Cincy to, to, to lose William Jackson. I mean, he was a really, really good corner playing in a bad situation. I thought they would want to do whatever to keep that guy. But I mean, Hey, I mean, Washington will take that all day. And, and it rich was a get richer on defense as well. What's that? The rich get richer on defense. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, that was really, really awesome. There was like you said, yeah, nothing really left in the front seven, at least to, to address. So, I mean, Go out and get a corner like that. I thought it was awesome. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is—he's a journeyman, but all that man can do is just grip it and rip it and make good plays and win games and do it with flair. I don't know how the dude is probably 50 now, but I mean, I, there's no doubt in my mind he will play for another 50 years. He's—we got. I mean, are we ever going to get a case for Hall of Fame for Ryan Fitzpatrick just for how insane he, his career is?
0: Here, he needs.
1: The entire
0: country needs to vote Ryan Fitzpatrick to go to the Pro Bowl so he's eligible for the Hall of Fame.
1: Oh, yes.
0: That man needs to be enshrined in Canton. Because of, I
1: mean, for in, in some way, he at least needs to have a corner. Maybe don't induct him, but there needs to be some plaque or something that recognizes there, just what he's been able to do with every team ever that he wasn't supposed to be good for.
0: There needs to be a sign that just says Fitzmagic.
1: Yes. So, I mean, he's just done it time and time again. To me, I think this is one of the best situations he's been in in a good while. And I cannot wait to see what he's able to do with the team that has this kind of defensive potential and has addressed the offensive uh, skill positions the way that they have. And then just going through their draft, I I really like that. As well to me, I think there was um, three really big picks in this draft that I I really, really liked. I thought Jamin Davis is, to me, he was kind of an enigma coming into the draft. I I didn't know where to peg him. I had heard murmurs that it was as high as 16. He would be in play um, just based off of his pro day and kind of after that, going back and really with a closer eye, uh, looking at what he did over the course of the season, he was very, very productive and, and It tested like a freak I mean there's a lot of potential to this and to me the true sign is uh, I would not like this pick as much but Ron Rivera is like a linebacker guru I mean I have really no problems with what he's ever done at the linebacker position and I know he had a say in it so for that reason I'm willing to give it a B plus is probably as high as I could go for that individual pick Um, I really like it it's a huge potential pick But um, I did think, I I like the William Jackson signing, but I did think there was room for maybe another corner. Uh, Offensive lineman was really flying off the board at that point. But then at pick 51 to get Samuel Cosme, to me, I love that pick. That was their best pick Uh, in my mind. I know a lot of people will say that De'Ami Brown was probably the best pick, but after Jamin Davis, but to me, Uh, Samuel Cosme is going is is legit he is a super athletic offensive tackle and they always translate really really well so for that reason I think that's a home run of a pick and and then Deami Brown getting that guy I I think he filled a role that they similarly I love this pick because I think he fills a role that is semi-similar to what Terry McLaurin does but I think if you can tap in and really figure out if his route tree is expandable past what uh, he mostly showed is just a go route specialist for UNC. And if he can really kind of prove to win on other kind of routes, he could serve as a true X receiver. I mean, he has the body for it. And that that would be a perfect compliment to Terry McLaurin on the outside. And then to let um, Curtis Samuel sauce you up from from the slot. So I think it could be a potential for a perfect storm. And I did like this draft overall. I think you also have to touch on Benjamin St. Just, a uh, long and lengthy corner out of Minnesota. He's got a huge, huge potential. Um, time will only tell with how he's able to put the pieces together, but I do really, really like this, this off overall for Washington. I think it was awesome. And I think that they are, like I said, are a little bit earlier, the cream of the crop up there with Dallas this season. I you
0: touching on the Jamin Davis selection. I know when we were we were first watching the draft, I wasn't a huge fan of it because in my head I forgot Ron Rivera was the guy who brought in Luke Keekly and really developed him to what he was. Like that just completely slipped my mind and then You bring it up when we're we're riding your dream driving me back home for something. I'm like, Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Um Yeah that's fantastic because yeah. him being able to be that, that cover linebacker. I love Cole Holcomb, but if Jamin Davis is able to develop into a Luke Keeley kind of player, I don't think there's a, a single defense out there that can really compete with Washington with how well the front seven is developing. I mean we bring in William Jackson, bring back Kendall Fuller last year. Landon Collins is coming back this year off a of, I think it's an ACL tear. I think it was something with his legs. But Washington's defense is just developing so well. And I really especially this year, I think I really have to attribute that to Ron Rivera. Because in in Carolina, their defense was not stellar. Like it didn't have amazing players, but they played so well because of his schemes and that's really translating to Washington now, but they have the talent for it. It's insane.
1: Yeah. I mean, loaded with talent, really um, scary, scary potential. I mean, you think about, they didn't even like, I didn't even think, Linebacker was a huge, huge need, but to go and get another freak to just go and run out on the field next to all of the other freaks that are on that defensive line is insane. I mean, this is going to be a ball hawking defense that has scary, scary potential. Um, and I'm loving a lot of what Washington is doing. I'm really, as an Eagles fan, I'm hating it. But I have to admit, they are making a great, great moves, I think. You can expect a lot of fun to come with Fitzmagic at the helm next season and with this young and hungry defense. Also,
0: I, I really liked the the last pick Washington had in uh, the BYU receiver, Dex Milne, who was Zach Wilson's favorite target at BYU. Like, I could see him being a, a nice slot corner if a guy like Curtis Samuel goes down with injury or if – Terry slat sadly goes down. I think he can fill out to that outside role, which is what he was at. What what he was at BYU. Also, I just think it's the funniest name in the draft. I mean, we take a long snapper in the fifth round named Cameron Cheesman.
1: Chase Cheeseman.
0: Chase. Chase Cheesman.
1: Is it Chase? I thought it was Chase.
0: It's Cameron on here.
1: Oh, oh it is Cameron. Dang, I thought it was Chase.
0: Also, uh. The, the outside linebacker at Baylor, um, Mr. William Bradley King himself, I think that's not a bad pick. Um, just really bolstering up that linebacker core even more. Uh, he's going to be able to learn from a guy like Ryan Kerrigan, who has been in that slot. I think Bradley King really is more of, I don't know if he's going to be exactly that kind of edge rusher for, for Washington. I think he's going to be more of a coverage guy, uh, more of a three, four linebacker, not a, not a four, three, but, uh you, you never know. I I'm really excited with what Washington's gonna do this season. I think their offseason was particularly good. So I think I have to give them the same grade I gave New York, uh just because I think they had a better draft. So I'm giving them an A minus. Yeah, I would
1: to me I'd give I'd give the I give Washington an A minus as well. Yeah. Overall I, I did like a lot of what they did. Um, I would have liked – I really like Fitzmagic, don't get me wrong, but I do think that Washington is kind of try, starting to get into no man's land with the quarterback position. Yeah. I know that there's Heineke after Fitzpatrick – Fitzmagic, excuse me. But <laughs> other than that, I, I it, no man's land in regards to being too good to get one of the top quarterbacks in the draft – and really kind of with how many great defensive players you're getting i mean in a couple of years you won't have the cap space to compete to, to go and trade for one or um, you will trade you could always pull off with some finagling but um at least signing one so for yeah. that reason i i'm a little nervous looking at the long term for washington but overall i think in the now they like i said they will be competing to win the nfc east next next season
0: oh yeah I- the future does scare me a little bit in the quarterback situation, but everything else is really locked up for a while. Uh, yeah. Well, looking at the schedule, they're starting off week one against the Chargers. Against what a lot of people are saying is a, an early MVP candidate, in Justin Herbert. This is gonna be a big challenge. For, this is gonna be a, a, a really good challenge. To see how. Well, this Washington defense stacks up against a a good high powered offense
1: yeah no there there's a, a lot of fun games on this schedule um but it, fun for the league, but i, I think ultimately a, a kind of a bit challenging out of the gate. I think the f- front part of this schedule is going to be. Re- rough like I do love Washington as a team next year but anytime you're talking about the Chargers the Bills the Saints the Chiefs the Packers Buccaneers Seahawks uh, that's rough that is very very rough um but uh, luckily I mean at the end of the season um I said the NFC East are, are kind of a coin flip but to me I like Washington a lot and it's kind of a perfect storm for them Potential-wise, we talked about it with the Cowboys. I mean, there's there's two matchups with both of those teams, two matchups with the Eagles, and you finish with the Giants. So, I mean, there's a lot of work to be done in the latter part of the season to um, make up some ground, especially when it comes to making um, for a playoff race. But um, I do think that out of all the teams we've looked at thus far, that this is the roughest schedule, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Also, NFL Thank you for giving my team primetime games this year. What the hell? After none last year, thank you for giving me three. Jesus. Like, but it it really sucks. Week one, Los Angeles. Week two, toss up a game against the Giants. Week three, Buffalo. Why? Just why? You're putting me up against two MVP candidates in the week in
1: three weeks, yeah, really. <clears throat> like, and then potentially three MVP candidates in four other weeks. I mean, between the Chiefs, Packers, and Bucks. Ho- hopefully, for the Packers' sake, we'll we'll have to talk about that in another.
0: Episode. Once we get to the NFC <laughs> North, oh, yeah, but like. Washington has a very very difficult schedule this year. I mean, you starting off with Los Angeles and Buffalo, Kansas City, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, like the the NFC South has gone better, especially with Carolina again, the, the Sam Darnold, like it, and you never know with NFC East games, like it's
1: a tough slate it really really is a tough slate but um i think you know going back to like what i said a little bit earlier i think the saving grace is that latter part of the schedule where you'll have even if you know you get into a hole because of just how rough it is up there you can afford to to kind of dig yourself out at least playoff wise in, in the nfc east more than likely because i mean you've got five matchups five of your six matchups coming in the final weeks yeah and to all of the two
0: Dallas games, two Philly games and then New York it's like also like the later half of the schedule is definitely easier besides that Tampa Bay game cuz Seattle definitely got worse this off season, especially on the defensive end even more um i mean Carolina got better but I still don't know how to feel about Las Vegas. Really, the only—I mean, you st- you still have the five toss-up games in the NFC East. But even if you can win three out of five of those, and you can win half of the the week, the first eight weeks, even five out of eight of those games, you're setting yourself up pretty good to to have a, a winning record and hopefully get into the playoffs.
1: Yeah, uh, I think that. For that reason, that's that is the saving grace of this schedule. But the NFL did you no favors outside of those primetime games and that upper part of the schedule. It is rough.
0: Yeah, it's 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 gonna hurt seeing having to play Buffalo and then oh, it's that that first half of the schedule is gonna be a, a real, real challenge to see how Stack how this defense can stack up against some of the best offenses in the league
1: yeah for sure
0: well moving on to last but very least the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles
1: yes the Philadelphia
0: Over, Eagles the Eagles had by far the worst free agency, agency yeah. by far Anthony you brought and in Joe Flacco, Joe Flacco. <laughs> wow and you yeah. lose Jalen Mills, Malik Jackson, Vinnie
1: Curry. Yeah, we we definitely lost a lot. I mean, the draft, we had a, the most draft picks for a reason. We had to just rejuvenate. I mean, we had to recoup some some players that can wear jerseys for us. I, I mean, we needed a uh, playmaker's depth uh, across the board. We had so many needs. Um, And overall, I mean, really to us, our offseason, like I said, Outside of Anthony Harris, who, who does project to come in and have a, an impact year one. Um, but other than that, n- nothing really. I mean, you get a backup quarterback, okay. Um, but in the draft, we had to address a, a lot of needs. And, and to me, in the first round, if you didn't get to see our live stream, I, I loved the selection of, of Devontae Smith at pick 10. Um, I can't remember... In my entire fandom outside of uh, Jeremy Macklin and Deshaun Jackson, and even those guys weren't high, high picks. And I mean, going back to one season of Terrell Owens, it just feels like for a long time, we've kind of just had drifters in and out of our team every three or four or five years uh, at the wide receiver position. And and to get a guy with as much potential as as Devontae Smith is absolutely huge. And also because... I talked about it earlier. I mean, the Eagles have to figure out if Jalen Hurts is the guy or not next year. So to reunite him with the former teammate and the Heisman Trophy winner at pick 10, I absolutely thought that was a home run of a pick. Going to the second round, Landon Dickerson. I, I really like this pick as well. I mean, it does scare me a bit. I mean, the injury concerns are very, very real. I'm pretty sure he's never finished a, a collegiate season. But and I should also add two ACL tears and two ankle injuries. So, I mean, the lower body, which is something you really, really worry about when you're talking about 300 pound men is not, not the best, not the best for sure. So uh, that does definitely scare me, but potential wise, I mean, he is a monster an absolute monster. You could have made an argument that he was a top 10 kind of talent player in this draft. He's that good. I mean, you don't, see six foot six centers like that just doesn't happen. And he is a mountain of a man and he is strong and he blocks like an offensive tackle. He pulls like an offensive guard, like some of the most athletic offensive guards in the league, even though he's not the most athletic guy, but once he gets moving downfield, he's an absolute force. Milton Williams, high potential guy, love what he could potentially add to our defensive line. I really, really like that pick. Zetch McPherson is, is the one head scratcher to me in this draft. Uh, I didn't really like that that pick. I mean, he was a productive player on the ball in coverage, but outside of that, I mean, not the greatest of measurables and things like that. I'll have to see how, how he takes the field as an actual eagle, but um, right now I, I'd call it a head scratcher. Kenneth Gainwell, I love that pick. Uh, we needed to address anything behind Miles Sanders. I love Boston Scott, but... Uh, he just doesn't really cut it overall. I mean, he'd be a great third string running back, but we needed a backup. Kenneth Gainwell can do that. And then some, I've really, really liked that pick. And, and then basically defensive line and linebacker. We finally take a linebacker and Jacoby Stevens. I, I, he's a, going to transvert or translate from safety to linebacker. I, I think I could really like that. I mean, the last time we tried that was with uh, Nathan Gary it was terrible. Jacoby Stevens offers some plus athleticism and is a big body. He translates well as a, as a linebacker. I like that. And and Taron Jackson as well. I have to touch on him defensive end. Uh, I think he could be a great, great player for us out of coastal Carolina.
0: Yeah. Like I think Philly finally hit on a wide receiver pick and not taking one guy before another guy that's going to become a superstar. Cough, cough. DK Metcalf and Justin Jefferson um, but yeah, I Devontae Smith going back with Jalen Hurts it's going to be really nice and that's going to give mm-hmm. Hurts a little bit of a home feeling knowing he's able to throw to a receiver that that he's thrown to before and like he knows his routes, he knows what he likes to run, it's like that's really going to help him out in his second year of development especially in a and kind of a, a bad situation that he's in right now. I mean, I don't think it's really a, a make-it-break-it year for him, but with how bad the, the QB situation has been in Philly, especially last year and part of the year before, it's really rough for Hurts right now. So just giving him a, a guy that he he knows and he knows like he's comfortable with is it's really good
1: absolutely I love that pick for that reason and another reason is just to me whether Jalen Hurts is the guy or not I mean we didn't just take a wide receiver just to take a wide receiver to try and help him I mean we got to me the second best wide receiver in the draft I don't think you could argue it even and I think it's it's, there was a home run pick and we needed a home run pick with how dire just our need is in general on the outside at the wide receiver position and i think we got a lot of potential good players after that in the draft i mean between Landon Dickerson, Milton Williams, Kenneth Gainwell, Toron Jackson, i think there's no doubt that all of those guys have impacts for multiple seasons for this Eagles team and we're going to need them at next year so <laughs> they better be ready but um it was a quick offseason recap for the Eagles. There's not much to look at. Um, we were really in salary cap hell in, in free agency. So we didn't really have any, we weren't in a position to really do anything. And even once we moved on from Alshon Jeffrey, Carson Wentz, um, Deshaun Jackson, all of those guys, we were still kind of capped uh, for money. So we couldn't really do much. Um, but that we also put ourselves in that position. I can't help but dock us for that, but I loved our draft. To me, it, me, somewhere in the middle, I give it a B minus, but it really undermines how much I love the draft. We were just, it's almost an F in free agency. I mean, we really couldn't do anything and we lost a lot. So for that reason, I mean, it it has to be a terrible grade there, but the draft, in my opinion, was awesome.
0: I'm going to give the Eagles a B. Um, they it definitely does suck that y'all basically had like zero dollars in cap room because of the Carson Wentz uh contract and now Sean Jeffrey contract uh yeah the free agency was absolutely terrible for y'all but I really do like the Anthony Harris signing uh to help replace Jalen Mills and then your y'all's draft was good but not fantastic in my opinion um I really would have liked to see a little bit more emphasis on the offensive line if, but I mean, Landon Dickerson, it's, it's going to be interesting uh, to see how he's able to fill into that role, but I'm I'm still not a big fan of the, the Philly O-line and that's going to really come back to bite Jalen Hurts most likely. So but i do like some i do like the other picks so that's why i'm
1: giving it a b yeah uh you can't go to me in anything in the a range is blasphemous it just in a total cumulative offseason recap you can't do that because you have to give put some weight into free agency we were just you know we weren't able to do anything really anthony harris will make an impact but that's one player i mean we had a good amount of needs. We are a rebuilding football team. So um, that didn't really bode too well. But um, that we reloaded in the draft, and I really, really liked it top to bottom overall. So for that reason, I, B- minus for me. But uh, I can definitely see the B for me.
0: But that's, that's the entire NFC East right there. Um, oh, schedule. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, correct. Correct. Schedule. I mean, it,
0: it's it is kind of the same as the rest of the NFC East. I mean, we all play the NFC the NFC South. We play the AFC West. Y'all do play Detroit, which will will definitely be nice for y'all to hopefully get a free win there.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm crazy, but I'm gonna have to say this is the easiest of our division thus far that I've seen. You throw in games versus yeah. the 49ers, Lions, and Jets. And, and, I mean, that 49ers game is early in the season. So, I'm thinking Garoppolo there. Um, I think those are three winnable games. And, and when you kind of throw in the other games that the teams – and other teams in the NFC East, they're all tough toss-up games at the very least. I mean, there, there's not very many give to be had. I mean – you could argue that the the Jets and the Lions are two of the other rebuilding teams of the league. I mean, they're just not looking to be overly overtly competitive next season. So, for that reason, I think this is the easiest I've seen personally thus far.
0: I know we're not doing rec- pred- predictions, but I think if Philly can get two out of those three games against uh, San Fran, the Jets, and Detroit, I think they could easily walk out with like a seven and ten record. Like that's not great, but it's it shows progression.
1: Yeah, no, I see a lot of people pegging the Eagles as a four to five win team, and I'll be honest, it's it is a. It's, I mean, I still think all the teams in the NFC East have relatively difficult schedules, but. Um, I think you could definitely say ours is the easiest. And, I mean, like you just said, I mean, two out of three of those games, and that's already two wins on the season. I mean, you toss in the the 50-50s between the Giants and the Cowboys, and I do think we'll probably get swept by Washington this season, if I'm being honest. But even just those, and, I mean, we're already at our win total, excluding every other non-conference game other than those three. So I, I do think they're a better team than that. Um, only time will tell they are definitely rebuilding so i could be wrong but easier schedule for sure and 7 and 10 was, is definitely in the realm of possibility
0: but now that's every single NFC East team a bit of a, a recap of their entire offseason and how we think their schedule is going to how we think they're going to do in their schedule i mean with the entire with the NFC East playing arguably two of the toughest divisions in the nfl with the afc west and the nfc south i mean you have the two super bowl teams in those divisions and the afc west has just gotten so much better in the past few years and then the nfc south is really coming back to what it used to be besides the falcons but i think they'll get there pretty soon so the, the NFC East really has its work cut out for them this year.
1: Yes, they certainly do. Uh, it should, should be a, definitely another dogfight in the NFC East, but I'm looking forward to catching every single game from it.
0: I I am as well. It's going to be a, a really fun season watching our two teams. Um, but I think that's going to wrap us up for the NFC East recap or – not recap, uh
1: the off recap, yeah. Yeah,
0: off season recap and looking into the season, uh, I still can't believe we're we're three months away from the NFC the NFL season coming back. It's it's absolutely crazy to think a month two months, three months has already flown flown by since the Super
1: Bowl. It is insane, but the saving grace from it all is that, you know, more football is on the horizon. I'm so excited. I know I do this every single year right after the draft is over. I just want us to line up and play games already. That's not how professional sports works, unfortunately, but um, we will get to see all of our teams take the field very, very soon, and we will have all of the other NFC divisions wrapped up over the coming weeks, so stay tuned for all of those, and another nba episode with a with a postseason outlook on the way soon so definitely stay tuned to the channel um and we've been loving the growth lately uh we're so excited to really smack this summer like i said so definitely stay tuned we got a lot coming but with that i've been
0: your host jason mitchner joined alongside ian hatcher we'll see you all next time